This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is a theme song here as I return. Onward and upward to complete the Quinella Broadcasting all weekend long with WABC. The acronym definitely represents Always Broadcasting Curtis. In addition to being on 3 to 5, then I come back from 9 to 11 with a lot of stories that you haven't heard of yet because that's my forte. Uh... I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. Nobody knows it better than me. And then we finish up uh, with the Animal Welfare Hour. And, oh, boy, we have a lot to tell you tonight between 11 and 12 and also the status of animals who are stranded in Florida that was hit by terrible I Ian, the uh, hurricane. And obviously the animals stranded on the island of Puerto Rico from the hurricane before that, Fiona. But continue to play this song, Rich. Uh, I see that uh, you're flashing your resume. That Rich Fields at one time won a Macaroni Award while in college. It's a freaking Marconi Award. You know something? It's Marconi. Not Ronzoni Sonaboni, a Macaroni Award. Madonna mine. What I get stuck with on the weekends is beyond me. But anyway, let's plunge forward because I have adopted this song. Every time I talk about the invasion of illegal aliens into our city, our five boroughs. And it's interesting because back in 1957, this very week, West Side Story opened on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater. You had the composer, Leonard Bernstein, extraordinarily liberal. Not only did he have a gay lover, which was uh, considered mm, not good at that time, but it didn't impact him. But he was a socialist, if not a communist, who embraced the Black Panther Party. The words were put together by Stephen Sondheim, very liberal, very progressive, choreographed by Jerome Robbins. And it tells the story of a modern-day Romeo and Juliet, basically white ethnics versus Puerto Ricanos. But it won no awards, really. Uh, won no awards, no Tony Awards. It wasn't until the movie version was released that cemented West Side Story as an icon of history. The film would win 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and it deserved it. Because uh, the knockoff, as you know, recently uh, they came out there. Oh, my God, I remember seeing it filmed in the streets of uh, Patterson, New Jersey. Up the hill, down the hill, First Ward, Fourth Ward, Spielberg. He thought his was the best. Get out of here. What a knockoff. Weak, soft. But the reason I put all of this in context is, could you imagine this theme song of West Side Story being released in these politically correct, sensitive, snowflake, cancel culture times? Can I hear the beginning of it, Rich? Let's just go back to the beginning of it. Listen, these are the words 
Everything free in America. Can you imagine now if all of a sudden this uh, would come out from some uh, Broadway uh, theater production? AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors, would condemn it and cancel it. Well, tough noogies, AOC, and the DSA and the Justice Warriors. It is the theme song each and every time I talk about the invasion of what Eric Adams, the swagger man, says. We'll be upwards of 75,000 illegal aliens seeking asylum, mostly single, able-bodied males from Venezuela. Now, do we believe that Maduro just turned a blind eye to this, the bus driver, the Ralph Cramden in Caracas, who was a protege of Hugo Chavez and elevated himself to become despot of Venezuela? Or do we think maybe he followed in the footsteps of Fidel Castro? Remember, Fidel Castro twice sent those in Cuba that he distrusted, disliked, and he hadn't killed in the gulag or exiled in perpetuity. Let me take you back in the timeline and the time machine. This same week, 1965, Fidel and Raul Castro behind the sugarcane curtain of Cuba announced that Cubans were free to leave the country. Thousands fled the poverty and communist regime. However, the ensuing migration of Florida threatened to overwhelm the Gulf Coast uh, Guard and immigration authorities. Since this was in either country's best interest, they negotiated a program known as the Freedom Flights Airlift Program. Over the next 10 years, eight flights a week left Cuba for Miami. Many Cubans waited for years to leave, and the program relocated about 300,000 Cubans to Florida. The positive result for the U.S. was Miami's Little Havana neighborhood, which became known for its Cuban culture and the fact that it was the one Hispanic group that voted Republican time and time again. So naturally, we had a visit this week from Suarez, the mayor of Miami. What the hell was he doing up here? The hurricane was down there. He was getting wine dined in pocket line. Guy wants to run for president as a Republican. The hell, he abandoned ship. He was up here in New York going to all the fancy restaurants, five-star private clubs. And he got clocked by the New York Post and said, Hey, Suarez, what the hell are you doing here? But Suarez, obviously a beneficiary, his father and mother came over from Cuba. His father eventually became my mayor of Miami. And then he became mayor of Miami, American and born Cuban. And they love Cubans. They don't want Haitians. Because Haitians become Democrats. They say, go north. Go north to New York. Cubans? Oh, yeah, you become Republicans. You stay here. Anyway, very hypocritical. But I also want to point out that that was 1965. What happened in 1980? Fidel Castro was feeling the heat of dissidents and others behind the sugarcane curtain of Cuba. So he said, oh, you want to leave again? You want to leave? Go ahead. Put together your boats, put together a fleet, put together a flotilla, and I am giving you my best blessings. Leave to America, leave to America. And 1,700 boats departed Cuba. Dinky, rinkety, some of them ended up perishing out there in shark-infested waters, the 90 miles that separated Florida from Cuba. And 200,000 Mariolitos came to our shores, and who met them on the shore there? Maybe the worst mayor, the weakest, shoot me, make that the worst president, weakest president in the history of America, who celebrated his 98th birthday yesterday. 
Jimmy Carter in Plains, Georgia, and uh, Rosalind, who is 95, his wife, they welcomed him on the shore, and then they realized we got bamboozled because Castro released many of the Cubans who were in jail, many of the Cubans who were in the insane asylums, as soon as they came ashore, 1,700 immediately got jailed. Others were deported, but the damage was too late. Too late. We got sucking and bamboozled. Who's to suggest that Maduro isn't doing exactly that right now and following the template of Fidel and Raul Castro? By the way, I don't know if you noticed, Met fans, that at his birthday celebration yesterday, Jimmy Carter... 98, and his wife, Rosalind, were doing the uh, Atlanta Braves chop-chop like they did in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium when Ted Turner and Jane Blunder fonded his wife. They were sitting there in box seats going chop-chop 1996 in the World Series against my beloved Yankees. Hey, really threw uh, salt into the wounds, right? What happened to the Mets? The ground gets blown out on Friday. Scherzer gets blown out yesterday, and the Atlanta Braves are in first place. And you know what 98-year-old Jimmy Carter said? No better birthday gift than us beating the Mets. And somewhere in Alabama or Mississippi, man named Jones, man named Jones who was a nemesis of all Mets fans. I mean, he was to have been the new Mickey Mantle. Not quite there. But, oh, my God, he was, <laughs> if you happen to know what I'm talking about, New York Met killer, as I add even more salt to the wounds, who was that guy every time he came to Shea Stadium, he'd get up, boom, he'd either hit a home run, double, triple, opposite field, make an amazing fielding play, and would just kill the Mets every time out of the box for the Atlanta Braves. If you happen to know, call 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, man. Chipper. Oh, oh, oh. Did I give it away? Chipper, 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 chipper. I hate the Mets. And even though I hated Jimmy Carter because he was so weak, the fact that yesterday for his birthday in Plains, Georgia, Plains, Georgia, they had a parade for him, and he was wearing the Atlanta Braves hat going chop-chop with Rosalind. Yeah! Yeah! Hopefully the Braves sweep today. Knock the Mets right out of the box. Anyway, I digress. Let me get back on track. Because you know who was most politically negatively impacted by the Mario Lito Boat rush to America, 1,700 votes sent by Fidel Castro to clean out his jails and his mental health hospitals and insane asylums. Believe it or not, it was the youngest governor in America at that time. He, in fact, looked like Alfred E. Newman, What Me Worry in Mad Magazine, never mind Prince Charles, who became uh, King Charles III. A younger version of Alfred E. Newman at the time, Bill Clinton. I think he was 34, governor of Arkansas, and Jimmy Carter ordered him to accept the Mariolito refugees and to house them in Fort Chaffee. Fort Chaffee, excuse me, Fort Chaffee. Well, what did the Cuban Mariolitos do outside of Little Rock? They burnt Fort Chaffee down to the ground. They burnt it down, and they escaped into the Ozark Mountains. And do you know how the voters retaliated against 
Hmm. Bill Clinton and his wife seem to think she would become president of the United States. Hillary, that's the only reason they were together forever. They elected him out of office. He lost. He lost his reelection. Now, in Arkansas, it's every two years you vote for governor. So two years later, they said, ah, it really wasn't that bad. It was Jimmy Carter who forced him to take the Mariolitos, the Cubans, in 1980, that then escaped Fort Chaffee and then burnt it to the ground and escaped into the Ozark Mountains. How many of you remember that, ladies and gentlemen? We can't just talk about the here and now. We've seen this story, this narrative before. Fidel Castro in 1980 decided he had a dissident problem, decided he had a problem of many people who were in his jails, overwhelmed with political uh, exiled uh, prisoners, and obviously the mentally ill and insane, and those who uh, were sick and infirm and just not ready to be put back together with the expenses, the limited expenses that Castro had. So he sent them all to Florida. And who was waiting on shore like Papa Chulo? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Jimmy Carter. What a mess that was. The Mariolitos spread all over the country. They caused crime in Los Angeles. They caused crime in New Jersey, up there in Bergen County. They caused crime wherever they went because so many of them were criminals who had been released from jail, not political exiles, thugs, narco-terrorists, drug dealers, like Tony Montagna. Don't you remember Tony Montagna? Don't you remember that movie? Come on. Wasn't he a Mariolito, huh? Uh, come on, come on. Pacino, wasn't he a Mariolito? How quickly we forget. And all these naive, liberal, progressive Democrats, we don't need to check their papers. Why? Why check them for their health, for their medical background? Why check them for criminal records in their country of origin? They seek asylum. We give them asylum. Underlay, underlay, underlay. Open up, open up. Come on in, come on in. And you know why? Because if you listen to Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, he give us a hint of what this is all about. He has appealed to his mentor, Papa Chulo, Joe Biden, and he has said, I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. Would you please give them working papers? Give them working papers because they come and they want to work. There's no doubt about that. But, hey, wait a second. You don't just give them working papers right away. There is a period of time that must lapse before you do that. And before they have an asylum hearing, you're going to let them start working? Ah, but you see, in New York City, what did they do about a year ago? Less than a year ago, after Eric Adams became the mayor of the city of New York and beating me in the general election, the majority Democrat city council passed a law that said if you have a working visa or a green card, you can vote in municipal elections. Thank God the Republicans tied them up in a knot in court. Ed Cox, the former state chairman, Langworthy, the present state chairman, now congressional candidate up in Erie County, Nicole Maliotakis, Joe Borelli, city council person, Vito Faselli. They did a great job. And so it was... It was knocked down in court, but the Democrats are appealing. Just imagine 75,000 mostly illegal aliens from Venezuela, most of them single, able-bodied men who would be indebted to the Democrats. And if, God forbid, they were able to vote, which is a possibility, in the city of New York, not the, not the federal elections, but in the city of New York, 
there would never, ever, ever in the future be a Republican or an independent elected elected to any office. It would be all Democrats all the time, and that would be the reward. And don't tell me it's not in the back of their mind. The other thing is, (laughs) they want all of you out. Notice, where are they positioning the illegal aliens? Up there in Orchard Beach, in the parking lot, which got flooded yesterday from the rain, by the way, flooded by the rain. But it's surrounded by one of the only Republican areas left in the Bronx, City Island and the Neck, Throg's Neck. They want you out. They want you to put the for sale sign out. That's AOC's district. All out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They want you out. They want to take over lock, stock, and barrel. Oh, they want to put the ocean line, and we're going to talk about that, right there in Homeport in Staten Island. They want you out. They know the moment that they bring that Norwegian cruise liner in to where the U.S. Navy used to be birthed, the fleet. We had the United States Naval Fleet. You know who drove them out? The Schmuck Senator Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, and then Congressman Gerald Lowell Nadler, who said to the United States Navy, you must inform us if any of those ships are carrying nuclear weapons. And actually, the Navy said, we can't do that. Out! Out you go! We kick you out! And only two men stood in their way, but it wasn't enough. It was Congressman uh, oh, Guy Molinari at that time of Staten Island. And to his credit, Congressman Thomas Manton of Queens, who was also the head of the Queens Democratic Party, was soon to pass away from prostate cancer. The only two who stood up to the Democrats who said, U.S. Navy, you must go. And then 9-11 occurred, and Gerald the Whale Nadler, right, walking around, where are the planes? Where are the ships, you schmuck, you putz? You chased the U.S. Navy away. But ah, right now, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has said, Oh, my little pretties, you didn't vote for me in Staten Island. So guess where I'm sending that ocean liner with a thousand single, able-bodied men who will not be restricted and will be able to come and go as they please. North Shore... Staten Island, Bay Street, Victory Boulevard. <laughs> I'll get you, my little pretties. We'll give you an update of who's standing up for the people of Staten Island. Let me give you a hint. Congressman, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis and Borough President Vito Fasella. And who has sold them out? The Eric Adams Republican Joe Borelli. Oh, my God. He's kissing Eric Adams' ass. I mean, big time. He's got his nose right up his tuchus. He's given new definition to the term brown nose. Oh, you don't want to go anywhere because, oh, I got all the latest details, the inside skinny, and I know where everyone's bones are buried and who buried them. And then remember, whatever I miss from 3 to 5 today, catch me on the backhand side from 9 to 11 and then the animal welfare hour from 11 to 12 exclusively here on WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. All right, slow down, slow down here. Ford operator Rich Fields won a macaroni 
or as he calls it, a Marconi Award, when he was at a very prestigious university that he refuses to divulge. What the hell are you, a member of the CIA, Criminals in Action, Rich? But you see, we're playing Bad Bunny here, which really is going to lead into what we're going to talk about next, in the next hour, how uh, (laughs) Governor DeSantis, will he do a Chris Christie? Will he embrace Papa Chulo Joe Biden when he comes down with the FEMA checks? I remember that was uh, Christie's demise, Superstorm Sandy 2012. Remember how he embraced Barack Obama, and that was it for Mitt Romney. And then Papa Chulo Joe Biden and his wife will be going to Puerto Rico with FEMA checks. No, he won't be throwing out any bounty towels like Trump did. But again, he's going to give him a lot of money. And just like when Hurricane Maria devastated the island in 2017, if you don't give it to the right people, it's gone. They'll steal it. Democrats, Republicans, local town mayors, the police. In an island of three million per capita, it has the highest violent crime rate of any territory, commonwealth, state in the nation. We'll get into all of that the next hour. Because remember, who knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them? Ah, yours truly, courage, Because I've been to all these places. And right now, everyone's sitting down with DeSantis, who should be completely focused on the disaster in southwest Florida. And they're saying, don't make the Christie mistake. But then again, you got to be nice. Or he will hold that FEMA check like, okay, jump. Jump. Okay, roll over. Roll over, DeSantis. Say, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy, DeSantis? Who's your daddy? Say, who's your daddy? We're, 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 we're rich. We're going to get to all of that. And right now, let's go to uh, Staten Island, the Forgotten Island. Oh, oh, wait a second. Let me uh, have enter stage left. A man who suffered from illegal immigration, as I told you, in 1980 with a Mariolito boat lift where um, Fidel Castro skunked Jimmy Carter into accepting criminals, drug dealers, and members uh, who were put into the insane asylum there with the boat lift of 1,700 boats. Oh, my God. Do you not remember the devastation of the 200,000? Do you not remember that Bill Clinton was ordered to house them in the National Guard uh, armory there in Fort Chafee outside of Little Rock? And the Cubans freaking burnt it down and then escaped into the Ozark Mountains with the hillbillies. And then Bill Clinton got sacked. He went up for election and even Hillary saying, I stand by my man. Didn't help him. He got thrown out only to return two years later. He learned his lesson. And then when he got elected president against all odds, against Bush 41 and Ross, the freaking crazy man Perot. There he was, 1995, in the bully pulpit, as he gave the State of the Union address. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, 
by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Got a standing ovation, both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans. It was 1995. Notice the term that then-President Bill Clinton used, illegal aliens, right? They're illegal, unless they end up being allowed to be here with a work visa or a green card, or they end up applying for citizenship and then take a test that's tougher than most Americans could pass to become citizens. But up until then, you show up at the border and you say, I'm seeking asylum. Why? I am a victim of abuse by MS-13. Totalitarian dictator rules my country of origin. Let me see what else. Domestic abuse. That's right. I got beaten in my house. Or the best one, especially if you're seeking asylum hearing in New York. Not so much in Houston and Dallas and San Antonio. They only approve about 15% of the asylum seekers. The others they deport, believe it or not. 85% of those they deport back. In New York, we accept 82% because the Limigra lawyers who we pay for will tell the person, you want to come to America, right? Who doesn't? You want all the opportunities here in America, and there's no way to prove that you were a victim of domestic abuse or gang intimidation or uh, political abuse. But you're in New York. You know what you say? You're gay. Oh, I can't say that. You want to get into the country? This is what you say. As a gay man in El Salvador, I was abused, I was throttled, I was beaten, I was threatened with my life. Immigration law goes, bingo, approve, approve, approve. It's a game. It's a game. And everybody will tell you that. It's the quickest way to get in because how do you disprove that? I mean, how do you disprove that, right? So that's why so many people also want to come to New York, because if they eventually go to seek an asylum hearing, they want to do it here in New York, because they'll probably get a much more favorable dispensation of their asylum status than they would in Houston, Dallas, or San Antonio. And you know who published those figures? Not not Fox News, not Newsmax, NPR, National Public Radio. Anyway, uh, let's roll it up to Bill Clinton. This month, out at the Love Shack in Chappaqua, the whitest uh, suburb in America where even the lunch jockeys are white, Bill Clinton, after he got his Starbucks there, sat for a podcast, and he didn't really sound any more different towards illegal aliens than he did back when he was president at the State of the Union address in 1995. That is, there is a limit to how many... Uh, migrants any society can take without severe disruption and assistance. And our system is based much more on an assumption that things would be more normal. For example, as long as I can remember, uh, 
We've had an immigration system. We've given green cards to people from other countries who had valuable skills that we needed. And it generally had a lot of support until somebody felt their economic interests threatened. Very, very clear and succinct. I think he's broken ranks. I think we can say that he's broken ranks with a lot of the Democrats, but he broke ranks in 1995. That was Bill Clinton then, and that's Bill Clinton now. Now, let's look at the bind that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has gotten us into. Remember, originally, Governor Abbott, Republican governor of Texas, was sending the Greyhounds, he was pounding the hound with the illegal aliens to Washington. He wanted to make a point. And the mayor there wanted the National Guard. She was overwhelmed. She wasn't offering them anything. She wasn't saying hotels, cruise lines, tents. No, she's like, hey, we need the National Guard. We're overwhelmed. He also sent buses to Chi-Town, Chicago, uh, where it was Mayor Lightweight, Lightfoot, whatever the hell her name was. And right away, uh, she was like saying, oh, you're racist, Abbott. But she didn't offer any amenities to the illegals coming in. But who was playing Santa Claus with our money? Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who refuses to condemn the Biden administration and giggles. <laughs> Harris, the arena in charge of border affairs for allowing over two million to come into the country to seek asylum. And many of them are going to slip through the cracks and be gone. And most who are coming into New York City are Venezuelans. So, again, remember, connect the dots. Who taught the Venezuelans what they do now? When he was alive, Fidel Castro and Raul Castro behind the sugarcane curtain. Who bamboozled us in 1980 by sending his criminals, his mentally ill, the political exiles, and the dregs of his society to America? And who was the sucker that stood right there in Miami Beach welcoming them? It was Jimmy Carter and Rosalind. And look what a mess that was. And now we are hearing Democrats, Socialists of America, and Democrats saying, oh, no. They don't need to be vetted. No, 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 no. They're fleeing. They're fleeing Maduro in Venezuela. Two million are fleeing Maduro. You don't think he's slipping in some of the people he doesn't want there who are part of the dissidents, who are criminals, who are narco-terrorists, who are mentally insane? He's going to do the same thing. And where do we put him up first? Imagine you're watching on Univision in Telemundo, these are the international networks of, for Spanish speakers. And if you notice, uh, the illegals coming in, they all have, like, cell phones, right? You notice that? They got a boom. And they're watching Telemundo and Univision uh, when they just get across Eagle Pass in Texas and they seek asylum. And they ask them, where do you want to go? 20% say Nueva York because they're going to be housed at the Milford Plaza. Milford Plaza, Milford Plaza. 59, 59. I'm going to take back your Marconi Award, a.k.a. Come your Mac. Along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. The Hickory and Valley Who. The lullaby of Broadway. And in the center of it all is the Milford Plaza. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail, dinner, and breakfast for $49.50 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby. 
But two months ago, when the city leased uh, 600 rooms in the Milford Plaza, the Milford Plaza was on the brink of bankruptcy to Bank of America. Uh, we didn't know who the owners were, but I can guarantee you, friends of Eric Adams, that they probably uh, contributed mightily to his mayoral effort. Uh, we went from $150 a room two months ago. It's now $700 a room. We, the sucker taxpayers, are paying. Now, I don't know if you get champagne, breakfast, and dinner at the Milford Plaza, but it's filled. It's filled. Uh, we're going to get to the tents momentarily because there was a demonstration yesterday that uh, got a little ugly. But let's go to the next step. Eric Adams said he's been sitting down with executives of the Norwegian Cruise Line. There are a number of Norwegian Cruise Line uh, ocean liners that are mothballed north of Fort Lauderdale. They call it the Elephant's Graveyard of Ocean Liners. There are about 82 from different cruise line operations. They're mothballed in case of emergency. They can be recommissioned, but pretty much they've served their life. At a certain point, they'll be sailed to Bangladesh and outside of Dhaka, uh, they take the uh, blowtorches and they basically strip them uh, down to their carcass and uh, all of the metal gets sold. That's in uh, Bangladesh. But right now, they certainly could be recommissioned and the first Norwegian cruise liner is scheduled to be sent to Homeport on Staten Island, which is where the United States Naval Fleet used to be until the schmuck departs Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, U.S. Senator, and the whale, Gerald Nadler, told the Navy to get the hell out of here, pack your bags, go, because you won't tell us uh, if any of the ships are carrying nuclear weapons, which the Navy can't. They kicked them out. The only one standing in the way was Guy Molinari, Congressman, and Tommy Manton, Congressman from Queens, and he was the uh, Democratic uh, county leader. Unfortunately, he died of prostate cancer soon after, and that was it. They left. We have nothing now. Nope, no Coast Guard, right, Governor's Island. We kicked them out. Navy, we kicked them out. And so when the uh, 9-11 attack was underway, the whale, Gerald Nadler, looked up, where the planes, where the ships? He was like tattoo. The planes, the planes, the ship. You schmuck. You chased them away. So now it's going to birth there, and it's a fait accompli. Because all these guys who work for Eric Adams, uh, Rich, they all came out of the Thomas Jefferson Democratic Club, 92nd Street, Conklin Avenue, Canarsie. Who did they grow up with in Canarsie? Curtis Sliwa. Who knows where all their bones are buried and who buried them? Curtis Sliwa. So the Caron brothers, chief of staff, senior Caron, is junior Caron. Frank Sedio was the Kings County uh, chairman and still calls the shots. Used to live on my block, say, oh, I always had your back, uh, Curtis. Yeah, yeah, look back there. You were gone when I was swinging and winging. And they're all corrupt. They all got their beak in the trough, hopelessly corrupt. And I know they've been negotiating these deals because they used to get a VIG, meet Esposito, a VIG on all the sludge barges that went back and forth out about 125 miles. You used to have to dump the sludge out. Meet Esposito, who went to jail, would get a percentage of the VIG. Oh, they know all about shipping and maritime. Trust me. They knew how to take advantage of everything in the ports of New York City. But let's put that aside. I now know that uh, Eric Adams' administration has a deal with the Norwegian Cruise Line for one. They are now seeking 30, 1,000 people per ship, 
mostly single able-bodied males. And who are they talking with now? Might as well be talking with Kathy Lee Gifford of the Carnival Cruise Line. can take you where the fun is on a three, four, or seven-day cruise vacation to the Bahamas, Caribbean, or Mexican Riviera. Once you've sailed aboard a fun ship, you'll know why Carnival's the most popular cruise line in the world. So you heard it first here on the Curtis Lewis Show. They're now negotiating with Carnival Cruise Line because all the cruise lines, they have these mothball ships in the Elephant's Shipyard, they call it. And uh, Eric Adams, he doesn't care what the price is. He, he knows he's going to have $75 million. He's accepting them willingly from the Democratic mayor of El Paso. On the opposite side, they're pouring through Juarez. So there aren't enough tents. There aren't enough no-tail motels, Holiday Inn Expresses, Milford Plazas. So he's now gone on to cruise lines. When we come back, I'm going to tell you, who is fighting this out on Staten Island. And I'm going to tell you who's become Neville Chamberlain, the traditor, the 30 pieces of silver. You know, this happened once before. There was a borough president named Jimmy Otto, Republican conservative, who now works for Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, a Eric Adams Republican who recently tweeted, I thought I worked hard when I was the borough president, but I can't compare with Eric. <laughs> tongue kissing. Hey, yeah, Jimmy, you tongue kisser. You took his kisser. You took a job. And it looks like the new minority leader of the Republicans is following in your footsteps. Wait till you hear what Councilman Joe Borelli had to say. Two heroes in this and one zero. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to break it down for you exclusively right here on your place to be, WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Padre, Filio, Spiritu Santo. Let's face it, on a day like Sunday, the Roman Catholic Church is generally empty. You look up and down the pews, you can roll a Brunswick bowling ball at the English-speaking mass. And when they put the wicker basket up and down, no, no donations. Because nobody's there. But Cardinal Dolan today from the bully pulpit, St. Patrick's Cathedral, embracing the illegals because he knows most are Catholic. And when you have the Spanish-speaking mass... 
filled to the rafters. And although they can only put meager pesos in, it doesn't matter. Catholic Church will take anything. Like they've always done with indulgences. Remember, you want to earn your way into heaven, you could be Satan himself. Give us money. And you'll have the pathway to the pearly gates. So in uh, today's homily, he was talking about, these are our friends. I saw him down at the Port Authority when he first came out there. Like Santa Claus, you know, jolly old uh, Cardinal Dolan. He was embracing two young men who had tattoos on their neck like giraffes, MS-13, right, you schmuck. Yeah, Catholic Charities, Catholic Charities. Yeah, you know where Catholic Charities get their money from? The government, us, New York City. We're shilling money to them. Over at West 52nd Street, American Red Cross headquarters, they're getting money from us, the taxpayers. And Catholic Charities has an $8 million contract to process the illegals who will then end up going to Mass on Sunday and being very thankful and allow churches to stay open so they don't have to close the parish churches. As my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, would say, it's the business one, you It's the business of money. You got nobody in the pews, right, on Sunday. You rolled the Brunswick bowling ball through. They're going to close that church real quick because they got to kick up to the archdiocese. It's like the mop. You don't kick up closed. Yeah, but we got all these parishioners, all these widows. They just lost their husbands. They come to the novenas. They do the stations of the cook. How much money did they kick up to the archdiocese? No. Close them. Welcome the illegals. Andale, andale. Who's your dad? Padre, filium, spiritu santo. So now there's a dilemma on Staten Island, as you know, because many of the elected officials there profess to be Roman Catholics. Cardinal Dolan has ordered them to accept these illegals and accept their fair share. Because there are parishes out in Staten Island, North Shore, Mid-Island, South Shore. They need, they need people. And especially they need donations. Because, you know, wicker basket, one time, two times, three times, four times. Madonna, my, I got to take a reverse mortgage to go to church. I got to take a payday loan. Or God will send you into the bowels of hell. See, the illegals believe that crap. The rest of us, we know that's garbage. (laughs) That's garbage. It's all a money game. But anyway, enough with the music now, because now when we talk politics, there is no religion. It's about whining, dining, and pocket lining. Eric Adams has had meetings with elected officials in Staten Island. They're going to shove this Norwegian cruise line right up your tuckus. And they're going to put it in the North Shore where they have put shelters, halfway houses, the North Shore. They always said, oh, no, no, you got to accept your fair share, your fair share. It's all on the North Shore. Whatever you don't want anywhere else in Staten Island, put it in the North Shore, Bay Street, Victory Boulevard. Don't worry. It's a dumping ground. So I said, who's going to speak up? Who's going to defend the residents of Staten Island? And I saw very proudly, first up, was Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Boy, she was strong. She was fire and brimstone. Not a moment. When this was first announced, 
She said, this is ludicrous, as she was fuming. Can only come out of an incompetent administration. Now, you know, she's talking about Biden and Gilgos Harris, <laughs> Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, and Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan. It's his idea, remember, his idea. She says both Biden and Adams refuse to address the root of the problem and instead continue to incentivize illegal immigration. God bless Nicole Maliotakis on Election Day, November 8th. Forget Max Rose. You know, send him back uh, to the private sector. This and this alone entitles her to serve another two years. She stood up for the residents of Staten Island and on the opposite side of the shades of the Verrazano, Brooklyn. And then I was waiting. At first, he was very tepid, quiet. It was crickets. And finally, the borough president, Vito Fasella, finally weighed in on this. Finally weighed in on this. I'm sure as people were storming Staten Island Borough Hall right there on the North Shore, you can see it right as you get off the ferry. You go to the Ferry Hawk Stadium or you walk up the hill. It's right there. And Fisella said declaratively, I'm not for this cruise. Let's avoid cruising for bruising. What's next? RVs on the street? These problems should not become Staten Island's problem. Bravo. Not as strong as Nicole. But, hey, very, very good. But then all of a sudden, what happened here? Joe Borelli, South Shore Councilman, Minority Leader of the Republicans, in the council, it's like he's Neville Chamberlain. He's waving the papers. Yeah, I knew I knew this was coming down the pipe. He said, yeah, 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 we had meetings with the Adams administration. I knew this was a possibility, but until Biden shuts off the border, I'm not sure how we can continue to accommodate these people without taking over every inch of parkland with 10 cities. This arguably may be a more reasonable way to cope with the crisis than people might think. People were in an outrage. They said, what happened to Joe? He's lost his mind. He's gone over to the dark side. He's gone over to the auto side. Is he prospecting for a job in the Eric Adams administration, like the former Republican conservative borough president, Jimmy... Let me, let me brown nose you, Eric Adams. You, you are the absolute most dynamic elected official I have ever seen. I thought I was, but you are. <laughs> too much tongue, Jimmy. Too much tongue. So now, the residents storm the Bastille to the barricades. They say, "What's happened to Joe? He's lost his mind." Now, hey, look, everyone is entitled to making mistakes, right? Gee whiz, I certainly made <laughs> a number of mistakes. But social networking gives you an opportunity to rehabilitate yourself before anybody else does. To amend what you initially said that maybe was misunderstood. Maybe you were misquoted, right? It happens. Rarely. But maybe it happened. So I see that Joe Borelli uh, put up on his social networking a response. I figure, okay, he's going to straighten this up. He's going to clean this up. He's going to join Nicole Maliotakis, Fido Fisella, and the other electeds and those who are running for office who are Republicans and conservatives. Because notice the Democrats have taken the coat of Omata. We don't want to offend Biden. Kathy Crimewave Hochul, or God forbid, Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan. 
So Joe Varelli writes, before you say you don't like my quote, uh-oh, you know that's trouble right there. I don't want the cruise ship or anything for that matter, but consider that just like Orchard Beach, where the tent city is now, Midland Beach, South Beach, and Wolf's Pond all have large field space with no permitted leaks, access to buses and bathroom facilities to accommodate hundreds of beachgoers. Suddenly, the love boat doesn't sound so bad. Suddenly, the love boat doesn't sound so bad. Hmm. Uh, seems like he's doing a, a pivot and turn. I also have no control where they put these people. I am saying the quiet part out loud. Considering the Dems are framing this in the press as an issue caused by Republican governors, where do you think they are looking? Honestly. Oh, my God. This is like Neville Chamberlain. I have the piece of paper that will save us. There won't be any tents as long as we take one, two, three, four cruise lines. As long as we take a thousand single able body males in the ship that can freely go whenever they want, come and go as they please. Where the hell are you going to go on Staten Island? They don't have jobs. Oh, my God. You're not willing to fight, huh? You got no balls. You got no huevos. You got no culions. Let me take you back because I remember. I'm not a son of Staten Island, but I've done relatively well on Staten Island because I know the history. There was a guy named Ed Koch, pretty popular mayor, especially on Staten Island. And there was a guy named Guy Lamberti. And they wanted to build a prison on the West Shore, and people said there's nothing you could do about it. can't stop it. And the Staten Island residents did because they mobilized. They took a stand. And then Lamberti paid the ultimate price because Guy Molinari left Congress to run for borough president. Unheard of. Unheard of. Seniority in Congress. Comes and he said, vengeance will be mine. And he whacked Lamberti. Joe Varelli, three strikes and you're out. Strike one, strike two. I'll tell you what. You want to be fair about this? Instead of dumping everybody on the North Shore like typically happens, suggest that a cruise line, the Carnival Cruise Line that they're now signed up for, come to the South Shore. That's right. You won't do that. I'm coming tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready. I'm going to be at the Point Tavern, 879 Forest Avenue, 7 p.m. I am promoting the candidacy. I've supported him, Republican conservative, for the state Senate slot of Diane Savino, who's retired. Her chief of staff is running and will destroy Staten Island and Brooklyn. That's the district. District 23, I will be there at 7 o'clock for Joseph Tyrone. Remember the name, T-I-R-O-N-E. He's opposed to this along with the other guy I'm supporting, Sam Pirazzoli, Mid-Island Assembly seat, Republican conservative. Maybe they can smack some sense into the missing in action lost Joe Borelli. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Padre, Filio, Spiritu Santo. You know, this uh, Sunday edition follows the queen of talk radio, Joan Hamburg. I pimped her ride today. She had on uh, Tita Rivera, right, of uh, West Side Story, right? I told you about West Side Story. And she had on the Carnival Cruise Line gal herself, Kathy Lee Gifford. Jesus! She's now a holy roller. But now tonight, coming in will be Frank Morano, the Mameluke. He's got a house in the South Shore. He's the best friend of that Utreditor, that Judas, Joe Borelli. What is Frank going to say, huh? Watch, watch him dodge the issue tonight, the other side of midnight. The worst other side of midnight, I do. The best of the other side of midnight. Watch him play dodgeball. Hey, come on, Frank. You want a cruise line and you want the Carnival Cruise Line in the South Shore near Tottenville? It could be birth there. Fake, phony, fraudulent, forgazies. They just want to protect the South Shore and sacrifice the North Shore and Mid-Island. No. No, a thousand times no. I am going to live out in Staten Island. I am going to protest. I am going to do what has been done before in Staten Island. Staten Island that stood up against the vax mandate, the first borough that said to Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly destroyed this city that we love. F you! No vax mandate. Send us to jail and then stand at Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo and his wartime consigliere, his his late breaker, Joe Pococo, who went to Wagner College in Staten Island, said, bring it on, Andrew. Bring it on, Joe. Hell no to the vax mandate. Staten Island led in that battle, and others followed. I stand with my brothers and sisters in solidarity. Republicans, conservatives, independents, Democrats. And it's not just saying no to the cruise line. It's saying a thousand times no, because if you succeed one time, you'll drive everyone out of Staten Island, because that's ultimately what you want everyone to leave. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
by the Scorpions. And so pertinent to what we've seen back-to-back, belly-to-belly, first Hurricane Fiona, slamming through Puerto Rico, then the Dominican Republic, and then the ultimate Ian the Terrible, the hurricane that just smashed ashore in southwest Florida and did unbelievable devastation. At one point, it was like, on a five on the Richter scale, scale five, and then slowly wound down, went off to sea, and then jimmied back up and hit the coast of South Carolina. Wow. Devastating. Now, I part company with a lot of our hosts and hostesses here at WABC because uh, I do believe it is the result of these in- the increasingly severe ferocity of these tropical storm storms and what eventually become hurricanes due to climate change and global warming. There's no doubt in my mind. And let this be a warning of what happened to us with Superstorm Sandy in 2012. Again, let's take the time machine, Rich. It's very easy to just talk about the here and now. And we're going to get into that. The president and his wife will be visiting DeSantis Air Force One. And then flying on to Puerto Rico. But let's see, uh, Rich Fields, you claim you have a macaroni, I mean a Marconi Award. Let's see if you earn it. Because remember back in 2012, Superstorm Sandy smashed into us. Oh, my God. Parts uh, of the shore there in Staten Island, underwater, people, people died. Breezy Point, they had the fire. It consumed such a large area. Houses wiped out. The Rockaways, Broad Channel. I could go through a whole litany. Up in the Bronx, uh, anywhere near water, Coney Island. Oh, my God, the projects were just clobbered. And I remember being out there with the Guardian Angels round the clock as we were trying to give out fresh water. A lot of people didn't have electricity, didn't have fresh water. And remember, even Michael Bloomberg, with his billions of dollars, went out to the Rockaways, and they booed him. The heroes uh, of uh, Superstorm Sandy were the citizens who rallied round to help one another, especially on Staten Island, especially there in Coney Island, especially in the Rockaways, Breezy Point, Broad Channel area, Howard Beach, Howard Beach, boom, wiped. My cousin, Joey G., the cheats from Howard Beach, Jeannie, my cousin, just wiped out. Oh, so many people wiped out. And, and we learned a lot of lessons from 2012, right? So we learned nothing. We learned nothing. Monies were appropriated through FEMA to build seawalls. 2012, it's now 10 years later. Billions and billions of dollars. Supposed to build about six miles of a seawall in Staten Island from about the Verrazano Bridge as it goes west. We're still waiting. Seawall down uh, by the Battery, the Financial District, Lower East Side, Tribeca area. 
Not a stone put in place. Almost nothing done. Billions and billions of dollars put aside. It's still in the bank. Still being paid out to architects, engineers, lawyers, of course, lawyers. They're always going to keep pimping off that ride. God forbid, what would happen? We're still in the hurricane season. We're still in the hurricane season. And it's not just New York City. You saw what happened to the Jersey Shore. Completely wiped. And then remember, Shamuel Hefe, Chris Christie, started putting up the dunes, and he had to battle with the towns. But Chris Christie was right. Yeah, yeah. he's Shamuel Hefe, Chris Christie. But what's been done? Think about that. Imagine if this hurricane that smashed through Florida, that Florida is going to be spending years and years trying to recover from, had worked its way up here and smashed once again into us, would we have been prepared? Think of it. And everybody would have said, gee, didn't we put billions of dollars aside to try to protect us when this happened? Knowing, as I believe, the global warming climate change is going to make this more of a reality. The waters are heating up. The sea levels are rising. It's just a matter of time. You may disagree. That's fine. But what the hell happened to all that money? Now, I'm not saying anybody stole the money. The billions are all accounted for. How come little, if any, work? Little, if any, work. But there were also political implications to what happened in 2012. It was right at the tail end of a campaign in which Mitt Romney actually showed some huevos, some culiones. I mean, he wiped the deck of President Barack Obama, remember, in that debate in Denver, the Mile House City. People were making, oh, the high altitude. Maybe he was smoking a, a little Maui Waui Hindu Kush. Maybe he just, he didn't come prepared. It could have been any no Romney looked presidential, man. He, he scored a TKO. That race was neck and neck. And then all of a sudden, Superstorm Sandy came. And a person emerged with his fleece sweater on. Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie. Every day he did a press conference, and then he received a call from Washington, D.C. President Barack Obama's on the line. Oh, and he got like a little girly. It's like Bruce Springsteen was on the line. Oh, Barack Obama, the president, oh, the president is calling me. I want to be the president, but right now he's calling me. And this is what he had to say. I have to give the president great credit. He's been on the phone with me three times in the last 24 hours. I've been on the phone with him, like I said, yesterday personally three times. Uh, he called me for the last time at midnight last night asking what he could do. It's got to start first that the governor and the president have to have an understanding that they can speak at any time. That day when Barack Obama came, he handed me a piece of paper with a private phone number on it. And he said, you call this anytime, day or night, and you will get me. You still got it? Uh, no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> he changed his number. He changed it on me after he got reelected. He's, but, a, he's at a different location. But the fact of the matter is that I used it. And he made the instruction to his cabinet member, cabinet members in front of me. He said, if the governor or any of his people call, it is unacceptable for that call not to be returned within 30 minutes. Like a little girly man. Like a groupie. <laughs> That's what a president's supposed to do, you schmuck. And then he gave Barack Obama the photo opportunity and the easy pass to re-election. As Marine Helicopter One was descending right south of Atlantic City, he said, hey, Gov, 
want to come on a ride with me, you can tell me about the devastation. You're the Jersey Shore guy. I heard that you used to two-fist the custard cones there in uh, Seaside Heights. And, Chris, you, you want me on Marine One? One, I dream of being on Marine One when when I'm president. I'm like, well, thank you, Mr. President. And remember, he he hugged him. <laughs> I love you, Barack Obama. Why did he do that? Mitt Romney is looking at that and saying, "Oh, I should have chosen him as vice president and not Paul Ryan." Oh my God! And then he turned to all twenty-eight of his Mormon kids and said, "It's over." Well, we would have been the first. I would have been the first Mormon president. It's over. The hug that was seen around the world. The ride in Marine Helicopter One up and down the Jersey Shore, the touchdown. And then Jamuel Hefe, Chris Christie, couldn't stop himself from praising Barack Obama. Hey, uh, Governor, you support Mitt Romney. Mitt who? No, no, there's no time for politics. Oh, Barack, can I call you? Oh, my God. It was like a groupie, right? Remember that? That was it. It was over for Mitt Romney. And let me tell you something. Not only did Barack Obama, the president, play him like a fiddle, but so did Bruce Springsteen. So they're doing a concert in Columbus, Ohio, right before the election. Things were still relatively close. So, you know, they're pulling out all the stops, you know, Bon Jovi, just, just like they did for Hillary in 2016. Remember outside Independence Hall? No, 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 not bathed in red light, you know, with Marines standing there. There was Hillary, there was Bill, there was uh, the boss, Springsteen, who oh, I hate, I love, I despise. It was Bon Jovi with his VO5, you know, hair up in the air. And they thought they had it in the bag. <laughs> The next thing you saw Hillary in the fetal position and Jacob Javits said, Oh, God, I lost. Think of that moment. DeSantis, right? What is he going to do? You know, right now, even though he's gripped with the reality of this devastation and the question is, Governor, did you evacuate Lee County soon enough? There's debates about that. And remember, he's running for governor against Charlie Crist. Don't just write off Charlie Chris. He's been there forever. He's like a vampire. He just keeps I'm a Republican. No, now I'm an independent. No, now I'm a Democrat. I'm heterosexual. I could be homosexual. I'm non-binary. He is everything, and he uses man tan in Florida. I can never understand that. Tan from the can. And he's like orange. He glows in the dark. But anyway, don't discount him. Because a lot of people there are going to be wondering, mm did DeSantis evacuate enough people in time? That's the question. Now, I have Guardian Angels in Fort Myers. They have boots on the ground. And even they're split on that. Yeah, some of them are Republicans, some of them are Democrats, but most of the Guardian Angels are very political. So we'll see how that plays out. But the President of the United States has said that he, and I'm never going to call her Dr. Biden, no way. Jill Biden, the first lady, will be visiting Florida. They've already been talking, DeSantis and Joe Biden. Good. But you know that aides to DeSantis are saying, remember, you be respectful, but don't go overboard like Chris Christie, you know, like be a love boy, you know, like, oh, oh God, thank you. Now, meantime, Joe Biden knows the power of those FEMA checks. 
bark upon you, upon you, like bark, bark. You know, it's like for the biscuits. Little doggy, bark, bark. You want another biscuit? Watch the posturing. Watch the body language. Watch the language. See if they stare into one another's eyes like President Barocco did with Chris Christie and said, you're my man. Chris Christie said, Barack, I so badly want to be president one day, please, please. And why should we have ever thought different? Remember, there was the threat of a hurricane outside of Tampa. Remember when they had the Republican National Conference that year to nominate Mitt Romney? Who was giving the nominating speech? But Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, 28 minutes, never mentioned Romney once. It was all about me, me. Sort of like Frank Morano when I was getting the Lifetime Achievement Award here at WABC, our 100th anniversary at Cipriani's. 28 minutes, Frank Morano just talking about Frank Morano. Wow. Every camera, every lens is going to be trained on both of those men. There are going to be people, lip readers, you know, professional lip readers who are going to be trying to analyze what is being said, whispered back and forth, because they don't, I mean, especially DeSantis, he's got to be careful. He doesn't want to be on MSNBC, you know, hugging President Joe Biden. It's over. He's sitting there in Mar-a-Lago watching former President Donald Trump saying, go ahead, hug him, you traitor. Without me, you would never have been governor of Florida, which is true. And he just barely won against the meth freak, the mayor there in the swamp. I mean the swamp in Tallahassee there. Yeah, Tallahassee, right? No, no. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Gainesville. Gainesville, the mayor of Gainesville, who got busted by the FBI for getting free tickets to Hamilton. What? What a schmendrick. And what was he doing in that room? Meth up his butt with this guy, this triple X rated gay porno guy. Oh, no. I just had a long day. Sure you did, pal. He could have been the governor. He would have been the governor if Trump hadn't endorsed DeSantis. No doubt about it. DeSantis, I love love DeSantis. But he's up from the north country, the cattle country. A lot of people don't realize there are a lot of cattle ranches in the northern part. When you're in the northern part, that's Herschel Walker land. They love Herschel Walker up there from his days as a Georgia bulldog. It's like you're in Georgia. You're not in Florida. Wow. Every lens, every word will be analyzed. And you know that Biden steps in. Joe, Joe, pay attention. This is critical. We can knock DeSantis out the box because we want Trump to run, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. We want Trump to run. Yes, yes. You're going to run, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, yes. Lure him into a trap. Hug him. Mr. President. Yeah, but I'm the president. Hug him. Let's see what he does. What does DeSantis do if all of a sudden Joe's, oh, I feel the pain. He goes to hug him. What do you do? Push off the president? No, Joe Biden, he'd fall, and his medical alert tab will go off. I'm falling, and I can't get up. If I'm the Democrats, I'm saying, Joe, for the good of the party, hug him. What is he going to do? He can't push you off. He can look uncomfortable. He can be schwitzing there. You know, he's a big guy. He'll be schwitzing under the lights. Hug him. We want a Barack Obama picture like he got a Shamu El Hefe Chris Christie. He's a threat to us. 
What do you mean us? I'm running. Yeah, yeah, sure you are, Joe. Yeah, you're, you're running for real. That shows you, Joe. If you do only one thing, you can make every verbal faux pas. We'll always come back. We'll always amend it. We'll always guide you off the stage. I know you look like you're feeble and you're lost, but, Joe, if you do one thing for the Democrats to guarantee that there's no DeSantis now or in the future, hug him. Hug him. Look him in the eyes. Say, DeSantis, I'm here for you. What the hell is he going to say to you? Oh, the tension. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Report, though, from Boots on the Ground, Guardian Angels, because I have them. They're in Fort Myers. They're there all the time. Lee County. It's a mess. It's a disaster area. So much of it's underwater. Then you have uh, Tampa, St. Petersburg, where I have Guardian Angels. Not as bad, but still damaged. Not bad in Orlando. I have Guardian Angels in Orlando and Kissimmee. And I got them over in uh, Fort Lauderdale and in uh, Riviera Beach, but nothing over there. Meantime, the mayor, Suarez, the Republican mayor of Miami, where was he when all this mishigash was happening? Thank God Miami didn't get hit hard. He was up here in New York fundraising, getting wine, dine, and pocket light. What a schmendrick. What a picture. And then, by the way, he told a few people, oh, by the way, we don't have any drug problems in Miami. By the way, we don't have a fentanyl problem. Slam dunk, it's over for me. <laughs> if there's one thing Miami has, it's got a lot of money. It's got a lot of immigrants, legal and illegal. But it's got a lot of cocaine, cocaine, and it's got a lot of fentanyl like other cities in America. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, no. And who pimped the ride? The man also is like a vampire. He just won't go away. Andrew evilized Cuomo. King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta, King Cuomo I, was in the South Bronx in Hunts Point, and he was working hard. He was sweating as he was loading on supplies into a container that are going to go to Puerto Rico to help that devastated island that got clobbered by Hurricane Fiona. Oh, my God. He's back. He's back. He won't go away. Like Comrade de Blasio, they're like vampires. They won't go away. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Competition's paying the price. This ain't no comeback, is LL Cool J. Although you missed the uh, the line at Richfields. I'm taking you a macaroni award from you. You missed the line. This ain't no comeback, LL Cool J. Actually, from Bayshore, although when you go into Flushing Meadow Park before you hit the Unisphere off the number seven train, you be see a big statue. Big statue in honor of LL Cool J with his uh, box. Hole in his box. 
is Boombox. And the reason I play this is because people think LL Cool J is a Queens kid, Southeast Queens. He's not. The Long Island kid. But true Queens kid is Andrew Evilize Como, King Como II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Como, King Como I. And remember, before Joe Biden was resurrected by the Democratic Party because of the lifelong effect that black voters and he had developed over the years, and they calculated that he could beat President Donald Trump because of the black vote. Odds were, the over-under point spread is that Andrew Evilize Cuomo might well become the Democratic nominee for president. He was riding high. Remember, every day, 12 noon, you had an Utazza de Café, Medaglia d'Oro, and Ubisquet. But Andrew Evilize Cuomo and his, uh, his PowerPoint uh, presentation. Remember, he would uh, sit there with Fauci, and he would giggle with Fauci and say, hey, you know, like uh, De Niro and Pacino. And Fauci would say, well, who do you want to be? And they laugh, laugh, laugh. Meantime, people were dying. And then we found out that uh, in the midst of this uh, lockdown and pandemic, Andrew Evilize Cuomo was using his staff to write a book that nobody bought. But, boy, did he pocket big bank. Big bank. And then the executive order that he signed that destined 16,000 elderly to suffer a death because of COVID-19, unnecessarily because he had them transferred out of hospitals with COVID back into the long-term care units, senior citizen homes. And then to finish the deal, the troika, the trifecta, the trinity, remember, he became the perv in chief. Woman after woman who worked with him said he's nothing but a perv. And then Governor Andrew Evilize Cohen said, hey, it's my Italian-American heritage. Oh, mara, mara na mai. Mara na mai. He smeared the Italian-American simply because he wanted to blame it on his ethnic upbringing. But he eventually resigned, and we ended up with Cuomo 2.0, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, who is holding all of us up with these incredible deals in which she's making backroom deals for millions and millions of dollars at taxpayers' expense. So if for no other reason, you gotta, you got to get out and get elected. Congressman Zeldin, Republican conservative candidate on November 8th, and his running mate, uh, Esposito, who was a deputy inspector for the police department for many years. He, she last served at the 70... Pre- 70th Precinct, Fort Tombstone in Flatbush. Got to do it. But let's get up to uh, speed here because this past week, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who's out at the compound, the Cuomo compound, in which uh, it is the home of Fredo, better known as Chris Cuomo, and the wartime consigliere is back. They're like the three horsemen, the three Italian stallions, although they might as well be geldings, really. Keep him out of double trouble. Joe Pococo, he's the leg breaker. He carries the Louisville Slugger, the Rocky Calavito autograph Louisville Slugger. His job was always to try to convince you to do what Cuomo wanted, then to bend your leg, stuff it in your pocket, and if necessary, beat you over the head with the Louisville Slugger. I mean, thug. Did six years for political corruption, but now they're all back. And they have vowed vengeance. This is a blood feud. And Andrew Evilize Cuomo, he released a videotape in midweek. And he says he knows the good, the bad, 
and especially the ugly. Give me a new perspective on politics, on people and life. I have seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As young Andrew Cuomo campaign manager for his father, Mario, who was in a runoff against Ed Koch to become mayor of the city of New York, he was sitting there in Austin Street with uh, then Matty Troy, who's the corrupt Democratic chairman, Queens County, the base of Mario Cuomo. Ed Koch had pulled ahead in the polls in the runoff because he was pro-death penalty, and as you know, Mario Cuomo, staunchly anti-death penalty. What that has to do with being mayor is beyond me. A mayor has no impact. But they had convinced Ed Koch you can no longer be a dove uh, on the death penalty, which he was. you got to be a hawk. And boy, we were in the midst of a crime wave, and it helped him extraordinarily well. And when Andrew Evilize almost says, ugly, man, it got ugly. Kids only like 23 said, Dad, listen to us. You're going to lose. But we figured it out. The guy's a fagola. He's gay. We're going to let the world know. We got the signs. Here, Dad, look. Vote for Cuomo, not the homo. We just got him. Hot off the press, Long Island City. We're ready to do a blitz everywhere. Mario, Hamlet on the Hudson, normally would hesitate. You know, he would think it all through. He said, no, I want to be mayor. Go for it. And, I mean, I came out of my house, and I saw him on trees. I saw him on telephone poles. I saw it chalked into the, in the asphalt. Both for Cuomo, not the homo. And then all of a sudden, the polls indicated that Ed Koch was crashing. You couldn't be gay then. You could not be openly gay. It was a death sentence politically. And so his brain trust reached out to um, everyone's sweetheart in the Jewish community, Bess Meyerson, the first Jewish-American Miss America. Every booby, every Zeta wanted their their son or their grandson to, to date and marry Bess Meyerson. That was their dream. And all of a sudden, they pretended that they were lovey-dovey, like like two lovebirds. In fact, Bess Meyerson said, you know, if Ed gets elected mayor, we're going to have the wedding right there in Gracie Mansion. And they visited all the boobies and zetas, and the Cuomo team said it's over. It's over. You can't beat Bess Meyerson, America's sweetheart. So when he says ugly, man, this guy, Andrew Cuomo, knows ugly, capital U-G-L-Y. Then he says, you know, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. I have fought the good fight in government and politics all my life. And I am not done fighting yet. Why don't you go into a paper bag and fight yourself? Gone. Leave. You and de Blasio. Leave. But they won't. They're like vampires. So yesterday, as part of his comeback... He showed up in the South Bronx for Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr. was putting together care packages for the people who've been devastated by Hurricane Fiona in Puerto Rico. And he came to the uh, microphone, and this is what Andrew Evilized Cuomo had to say about how this was the right thing to do. Number one, I want to say to the people of Puerto Rico that the people of New York State are with you always, in good days, in bad days. We have your back because we are family. We are brothers and sisters. 
We are part of the same community. And whatever Puerto Rico needs, New York is going to be there to help. Notice he didn't say Puerto Rico's the sixth borough. That's Eric Adams, the swagman. I never heard that, Puerto Rico the sixth borough. Boca Raton, yes. The Poconos, never heard anybody refer to Puerto Rico as the sixth borough. And you didn't hear Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who, when he was governor, gave a billion dollars to Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria devastated it in 2017. A billion dollars. He was back and forth to Puerto Rico constantly. And so Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr. and his son, they're two political opposites, they say, Andrew, we don't have money to send the container. It's going to cost about $9,500. Cuomo sitting on gazillions of dollars from the book, you know, the ripoff for the book, and then his political fund. So they, he said, how much is that? 9500 So you figure he's going to, you know, whip him. Does anyone have a pen? I'll write you out a check for 9500 He wrote him a check for 2500 He doesn't understand. He's no longer the governor. Everything's not on the cuff. This he could have paid for. He would have been the hero, right? So you know what the Diaz's were saying. That cheap SOB. They needed 9500 He writes us a check for 2500 And you know... Well, Ruben Sr. told Ruben Jr., run to the bank on Monday. That freaking check may bounce. If you know Cuomo, a personal check from Cuomo, it might bounce. How the hell you give him 2500 It's only 9500 to send the container. And by the way, it's not going air flight. It's going on one of those slow boats to Puerto Rico that'll take forever. What a piece of work. By the way, we know he's making his comeback. You know who he's sitting with next week on the weekend? It ain't me. His nemesis. It's Cindy Adams. One o'clock Sunday. Interview with the comeback kid, Andrew Evilize Cuomo. Now, she has pillared him in her column. She couldn't be any nastier to him. But this is the Cuomo style. When he called Pataki nothing more than a coat holder for Rudy Giuliani during 9-11, which was so despicable. Because as Rudy and Pataki now tell it, look, they weren't friendly at all before 9-11. They were at odds. They were at odds the way Rockefeller was with Lindsay, like other governors have been with mayors. But they came together. And then he called him a coat holder when he was running to become the Democratic nominee against Carl McCall, and he crashed and burned against Carl McCall. So he went on a listening tour for a year, listening tour. You know, this is what Hillary did, you know, listening tour for a year. She shut him out at Yenta. She never could shut him out, and neither could Andrew Evilize Cuomo. And guess who he requested a meeting with on his listening tour, Rich Fields? I get a call out of nowhere. Hey, it's me, Andrew. Uh, you remember me? I say, well, disgraziata, Andrew. What, what, what can I do for you, Andrew? He goes, I'm on a listening tour. Can I pencil you in? I say, oh, you want to hear from me, huh? Welcome. Came up to Guardian Angel headquarters, 46 and 8. I gave him an hour of fire and brimstone. I ripped him apart every which way. He didn't say a word. He sucked it all up. But I knew he had that little glint in his eye. I'm going to get you, you mf'er, if it's the last thing I do. And I said on the way out, I said, I see that Cuomo look. Bring it on. 
It was all a show. And now he says he's back. Got to listen. Next Sunday, 1 o'clock, to Cindy Adams. Her full guest for the hour, Andrew Evilize Cuomo. Andrew Evilize Cuomo on his comeback. The son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo. King Cuomo the first. He's going to try to lie, lie, lie his way back in. I'm hoping Cindy, because she's a senior herself, is going to start off the interview. Cindy, I'm going to call you on this. What do you say to the families of the 16,000 seniors that you were responsible for their untimely death? Start it that way. Don't give them any wiggle room. No pleasantries. Cindy can do it. You do not want to tangle with Cindy Adams. It's like two scorpions in a brandy glass. This will be a heavyweight event exclusively here on WABC next Sunday, 1 o'clock. And then I'll come back and recap it from 3 to 5. And then do a double espresso, right, from 9 to 11. Because I hate Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know, this should be my theme song. This was a gift from Patrick Jouvet during the Distigo era from France. And I was quite the uh, whirling dervish during the disco years. Never heard a patriotic song in uh, disco, never, except for this. And you could dance to it, and people would request it, and they'd say, hey, hey, DJ, play it again. I mean, it really reaches into your soul. You could be apolitical, independent, unaffiliated, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, progressive, whatever. And it just gets right into your gut. And then you look out into the harbor and you see Lady Liberty, a gift from the French people. And then, of course, the American Revolution, without which, without the help of the French we would all have been sitting shiver for 11 days for the passing of Queen Elizabeth and the uh, coronation of Alfred E. Newman, What Me Worry, a Mad Magazine, uh, King Charles III. Pass the Grey Poupon, please. And it would have been the Union Jack instead of the Stars and Stripe. We would have had no freedom of speech because they don't have it in the U.K. And earlier today, the annual Pulaski Day Parade. March with a lot of pride, Polish-Americans, in honor of General Pulaski and also General Kosciuszko, who helped George Washington and the uh, Continental Army. To Pulaski, many of you, if you've ever traveled through the South, you probably marvel, especially as I did through Arkansas and Georgia and Tennessee, to see Pulaski County. They named it Pulaski County after a, a Polish guy. Because he developed the American cavalry to thwart 
the Hessians and the mercenaries that were sent over by the king to crush the American rebellion and hang the traitors by the neck. There was no hearing, no trial, no defense, like Nathan Hale right outside the city hall. You see the statue. Caught, found guilty, hung. That's the way it was. And General Pulaski, he uh, got that uh, cavalry all shaped up. It's amazing. And they have this huge monument, if you've ever been to Savannah, Georgia. It's an amazing monument. And recently they, um, they removed his body, the bones, because someone claimed that he was, uh, he was uh, too, can you believe this? After so many years, they unearthed him. They exhumed his body because they said he had both male and female plumbing. Like, who the hell gave a damn? But naturally, there is that LGBTQT uh, plus. He goes on and on. They want to prove that everyone, since the beginning of time, somehow was connected to them. I don't care if he was. Leave the body rest alone. And today, with patriotic pride, Polish Americans over gray clouds, cold, damp, and then rain, marched with pride up Fifth Avenue. And I will tell you this, Kosciuszko was the one who convinced George Washington that West Point should be developed for engineers and the military against Thomas Jefferson, a fellow Virginian who said to Washington, no, make it VMI. And Washington was convinced by Kosciuszko, not Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko, to create West Point as we know it today. And to give a shout-out to the German-Americans who always never get their due, because of our history with Germany over the years. 38 million who came to America. You know where I saw that statue? Not anywhere in New York City. Nope. I saw it in Cleveland, next to Lake Erie. Huge statue. Talked about the incredible, incredible achievements and uh, the incredible uh, sacrifice that German-Americans have made, especially in the heartland of America. I saw that right before the Republican convention in 2016 that nominated Donald Trump to be the Republican candidate for president, who then unexpectedly went on to win the presidency. A German-American, by the way. Trump, who had originally marched in the annual Steuben Day parade up Fifth Avenue at the start of September, that nobody gives attention to. Nobody gives attention to, and they should. You know, General Steuben, you don't know this, do you, Rich Fields? Uh, you and your uh, macaroni award. Uh, what, what, they don't teach this. General Steuben, when he came over, he had four attaches from Germany to help us. The guy was as gay as gay could be. That's why his four attaches were there. He was totally gay. And nobody cared. Because he was asked by Washington, look at my army at Valley Forge. Ragtag group. They're, they're, they're just going over the wall. They're AWOL. The British are going to crush us. And General von Steuben said, don't worry. I'll whip them into shape with my four attaches. And he did. Now, we don't know what went on in their tent late at night, but who cares? And Washington was able to take that army across the Delaware and take the battle to the British, which turned around the war. And, of course, General Lafayette, we are here. So I take a moment, as I always do, to recognize what was, because if not for their contributions, there would be no America as we know it today. Nope. There would be the Union Jack. We'd be kissing the arse of the king 
and before that the queen, and we'd be part of the Commonwealth and have to kick up like a vig to the U.K. Love this. Love this. And the other thing about America is that you can fight back when all else fails. Remember, only a third of the colonialists were in favor of a revolution to cut all ties with the U.K. Only a third. Two-thirds were loyalists. And New York City was the most loyal city of all. New York City was the home of the Brits in the colonies, eventually what were to become the states. The most loyal of all areas. The traitors. Wow. And I think back as I talked to you earlier about how we've got quite a fight on our hands. we got to reach back to that patriotic spirit that brought so many diverse people together. Brought Pulaski and Kosciuszko from Poland. Steuben and his four attaches from Germany. Lafayette from France. And the generosity of the French crown to help us in the battle to free ourselves over tyranny. Freedom over tyranny. And we look to Staten Island, which led us in the fight against the vax mandate. Do you know what just came down the pipe over the weekend? The NYPD issued a memorandum to all the cops that it furloughed, that it put on the shelf, who would not get the vaccine for any number of reasons. They said, you can come back to work. Even though you're not vaxxed, you can have the same jobs that you used to have. If you want to report to the precincts or your command, you can come back. But guess what? If the judge rules on our favor in the appeal process, you're freaking fired. What an insult, right? What a backhand by Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. You've been treated that way before. Look at all the communities that they're going to shove the illegal aliens from Venezuela into. And I know firsthand where they're going. I warned you out there in College Point. They're telling you, oh, no, we're not looking at McNeil Park. No, 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 no. We're not looking out there at College Point. Yes, they are. They're looking at every area that didn't vote for them. And they are seeking vengeance. College Point, get ready. They may put up a big tent there. You saw them in uh, Orchard Beach. Let me give you a little taste of what happened in uh, Orchard Beach just yesterday. First off, there was the flood as a result of the heavy rains, and that is just not a place that should have uh, any tents whatsoever because it immediately got flooded. So there were folks there on both sides of the issue. They were there who were pro-illegal alien, who wanted the illegal aliens in the tent. And then there were residents who were saying there, you can't, you can't, there's no security. Where are these single able-bodied men going to go? Orchard Beach. But they're going to cross the bridge in a city island. They're going to be roaming around in the neck with no jobs, with nothing to do. That's a recipe for trouble, just like it was when the Mariolitos came from Cuba, were sent here by Fidel Castro. Listen to what took place. They have first amendment rights, and so do I. Turning citizens against one another. And then there was a woman there from City Island with a baby in her arm, and she, she tried to frame the argument so that maybe the demonstrators who were there for the pro illegal aliens, the Democratic Socialists of America, 
the supporters of AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, who wants to uh, take over the city. She tried to explain to these young, white, hipster millennials who came from Iowa, where there are more pigs than people, and Idaho, where there are more potatoes than people, that this is her land. This is this is where she's she's dug in. This is her family's land. And they just want to drive her away. Okay. We asked so, for them. Yes. Let's take don't care of him, them. Don't give no attention the to answer, this guy. The, the, answer, the answer to the racist question is that realism is not racism. So, it is it is real that we as a community do not want undocumented. They are un- documented. They're here seeking asylum legally. So how many countries did they, they have to cross to get to Mexico to come there? Are people- wow. Woman's there with a child and they were relentless. They were relentless. They wouldn't even back off, you know, like hey, this woman with a child. Come on. Come on, guys. White males, Democrat socialists of America. You know what this is about, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're in uh, Staten Island, North Shore, Mid-Island, whether you're in Brooklyn, whether you happen to be in College Point, they want to stick a tent there. Trust me, they're lying to you when they say they don't. They hate you in College Point. They hate you in City Hall. Everyone out there, they would love it if you put a for sale sign up and get the hell out of here. They really would, because then they could take over lock, stock, and barrel. Join me, ladies and gentlemen. Improve, don't move. I understand if you have to move. I, I understand it completely. Bad public school system, bad quality of life, crime everywhere. You've got family to be concerned with. But if you can stand and fight for what you know is right, Please, please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going out to City Island. I'm going out to the Neck. I'll be out there at the annual Columbus Day Parade next Sunday. Before that, Saturday, 18th Avenue uh, in Brooklyn. And then the big one on Monday, the Columbus, uh, Columbus Day Parade. They want to destroy the parade. They want to tear down the statues. They want to they destroy the tradition of Italian-American hardworking people. We can't let them do that. And Eric Adams is part of that. He didn't march in the parade last year. Didn't march in the parade, and they all gave him a pass. All the leaders in the Italian-American view. How come he's not here? Oh, hush, hush. Hush. Don't say that. He's got three choices, right? He could be at the parade, 18th Avenue, Saturday. He could be at the parade, Frog's Neck, on Sunday. He could be at the parade, the main parade, Columbus Avenue on Monday. We'll be broadcasting 12 o'clock, as you know. I'm on Monday through Fridays, 12, 15 to 1. I'll be broadcasting right there. And I'm going to be looking for every elected official, Democrat, Republican, and see who marches with the Italian-American people. And those that don't, I'm going to shout them out. I'm going to point them out and shout them out. They can't run. They can't hide. Now is the time to fight for what you know is right. It's either now or never, ladies and gentlemen. I'm coming out there to City Island. I'm with you. Throg's Neck, I'm with you. Out there in Staten Island. I'll be out there tomorrow if you want to rally around. You want to discuss what the next move has to be as some of your elected officials, especially the Democrats, have folded like uh, cheap cameras. Come on out to the Point Tavern, 879 Forest Avenue, 7 o'clock. Support the election in the 23rd District of Joseph Tyrone against uh, the Democrat, who is the chief of staff of uh, Diane Savino, who's leaving. 
And of the Sam Pirazzolo, Mid-Island Assembly seat, Republican conservative against Cusack, the Democrat who's leaving. Got to fight for patriotism. Look, you don't even have a Columbus Day Parade in Staten Island anymore. New door blame. What happened? Howard Beach, Cross Bay Boulevard used to have a Columbus Day Parade. What happened? And you know what? I'm going to fight to get that Christopher Columbus statue that they took down in downtown Syracuse and mothballed and put in a warehouse, get an 18-wheel tractor trailer, bring it down to Highland Boulevard, put it in Staten Island, the largest Italian-American community in the city per capita per person, and I know you'll take care of that statue. Either fold like a cheap camera and run or stand and fight for what we know is right. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Sure is the same old shillelagh before the run. Oh, I'm Irish. I come from Calabria, Ireland. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Beyond the tri-state area and beyond. Those of you who are of uh, Italian-American tradition, no time to be lazy. You want to honor the traditions of your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, hardworking people, especially those from the southern part of Italy, who are like the equivalent of the uh, Mexicans now. They do all the grunt work, did all the grunt work then. Let me tell you something. This is the time to fight to save the traditions. I know I'll be fighting on behalf of my grandfather and my grandmother on my mother's side, Francesca, from Andrea and Bari. Fidel and Nicoletta Biancino. My grandfather, Fidel, couldn't read, couldn't write. Had a ditch, uh, was a ditch digger. That was it. He raised 13 children with my grandmother, Nicoletta. The last drop was my mother, Francesca. She was the only one born here in America. Came through Ellis Island, had to have a sponsor. That's the way it always was then. We have a brand new wave of immigrants coming from war-torn Ukraine, soon to arrive on our shores in New York City, 10,000, we've been told. They all will have to have sponsors before they can actually uh, declare New York City to be their address as they attempt to move up the ladder get their working visa or their green card, and eventually take the test to become citizens. And by the way, to Americans, uh, you probably would fail the citizens test, many of you, the history tests of America, the government, the civics tests, and so would our children and grandchildren. But this is the time in Pennsylvania, throughout New Jersey, Connecticut, New York State, New York City. It's got to rise up. They're going to take all of this from us. And you know something? We deserve it if we don't do anything about it. We pay the taxes. We've been the backbone to the country. Everyone has contributed in their own way. But if you don't stand up and fight 
to preserve the tradition so that other generations can learn of your contributions, you have only yourself to blame. So now the thousands of illegals are pouring into our city, into our country, and our president and vice president are asleep at the wheel. And no doubt there's probably a plan behind all of this. Got to do what we know has to be done. Listening to talk radio alone is not going to do it. So guess what? I'll come back at 9 to 11 and give you a few more ideas, and then it's the Animal Welfare Hour, and I wrap it up for the weekend.